Hi, Taylor. Could you take that to the back? Hey, good morning. Dare go ahead and throw it up, brother. Hey, listen, we're not in Exodus, right? You guys thought that I was going to come back with like an Exodus chapter 41, right? No, no, no. I, I, actually, we're, we're beginning our study this morning out of 1 Thessalonians, and uh, we'll cover some things. We're going to set some things up as we move through this letter, and the setup this morning is going to be essential, and it's required so you'll understand uh, the letter, the context of the letter. We've got to let you know what's really happening when Paul writes this letter. Now, even before we get into that, how many of you guys sent someone off to school for the very first time this week? Anybody? Okay, Mom. It's just Bree? Bree? Oh, well, Lord bless Bree. Well, <clears throat> Taylor and them did. Uh, they, they sent little Ivy Jude uh, off to school. And, uh, you know, Taylor uh, kind of fronted me a little bit. You know, she tried to be strong. She tried to look, you know, uh, like the good mom would, you know, trying to be strong for her daughter, right? And so they, they took her to school. Uh, everything was going well. One night. They dropped her off. They go to leave. And, and I said to Taylor, I said, well, Taylor, how did you do? She said, bad. I said, well, how did Derek do? She said, worse. <laughs> right? Right? And sometimes, listen, hey, sometimes that's just the way it is, isn't it? Right? And uh, so... Uh, uh, praying for all the kids, right, and all the parents as we uh, uh, start a new school year and so forth. And uh, there's a lot of demands on a lot of families, on, a lot of, on the lives of our children, and just praying for God's favor. Now listen, um, what I am doing this morning is starting the study in 1 Thessalonians, but we're only going to cover one verse out of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. But what I want to talk to you about is as we cover that first verse in 1 Thessalonians, I want to talk, about, I want to, talk to you about, because it's in the, the context of the Scripture, this isn't a, a theme that's been you know, uh, uh, created in my mind. It's just what the Scripture teaches. Uh, I want to talk to you about the benefit of God's no in our life. Uh, how many of you have been in a situation where God has said no to you? All right. Well, I'm glad that you recognize that as a no because uh, a lot of times uh, when we pray and God responds with a no, we just assume that God didn't respond, right? Because we're not accustomed nor, nor do we enjoy being told no, right? Now, you guys know the story. My mother-in-law owns a daycare. I mean, they literally, uh, Ham, Sham, and Japheth went through the daycare. Those are the sons of Noah, right? I mean, she's had this daycare forever, right? We've seen a lot of kids come and go out of the daycare, right? Now, I've spent some time down there. She calls me. She says, we got a kid out of control. I go down there, and I, you know, we line these kids out, right? No, no, I'm just kidding. That doesn't really, well... It, it's happened with my kids. But, but uh, I've been down there, and there's something that I've, I've recognized in some of these children that I'm sure some of you guys have recognized uh, having interacted with children as well as just anyone in general. One of the things I've recognized uh, in these little kids that I see in adults as well is their, their inability 
to recognize or even to respond to a no. I've seen these kids come in and they'll do this or do that and Miss Kathy or Miss Taylor or whoever's at the daycare that day will say no, no, no. And they're like, they literally have either never been told no or they just don't understand what no really means. No is not this proposition to then negotiate. Right? And sometimes we view no as then the starting point for negotiation. You know, Darwin, you've got a, a busload of kids. You know what I'm talking about, right? When you tell your son no, or, you, or you, 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 you know, you guys, you tell your daughter no, all of a sudden they think it's time to bring in the lawyer. And we're going to kind of negotiate this, this hearing, if you will, right? One of the things that you and I as believers and followers of Jesus have got to come to understand is the value of God's no. And God's no is typically accompanied with God's yes in another facet, form, shape, place, location, whatnot. The no typically is, 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 is to keep us out of the wrong place or the wrong time to move us to the right place at the right time. And so I say all that, I, I preface everything I say by saying, do not become discouraged when you find God saying no to you. As a matter of fact, I would, I would sharpen my vision, my hearing, and the sensitivity of my heart. For if he's saying no, I do believe the scripture would lead us to believe that he is then redirecting us in a path of yes. Right? Okay, that's where we're going to start. That premise as we work our way through this. You're like, okay, Trent. We're going to be talking about the, the, the Thessalonian church. And you're reading one verse. Well, what I want to do is establish for you this morning who this church is and how they came about. Because this is kind of a wild story. This is a story of churches and movements being created out of no's. No's. Life coming out of no's. You with me? Then let's read that one verse. Right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father, I love that, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, bless the reading of your word. Open the ears of the hearer and the hearts of that uh, we may be receptive to what your word speaks to us this morning. May we, as your mouthpiece this morning, may we not get in the way of what it is that you're wanting to communicate to those gathered here 100 Hobson Way this morning. And we ask this in the name of Jesus and the sons and daughters of God said, Amen. Amen. Okay, let's look at this. To the church of the Thessalonians, right? And, it, and it, it opens up by saying Paul, right? Paul, Silas, and Timothy. One of the very first things right off the bat, right off this scripture, we're going we're doing, we're doing a little commentary, then we're going to jump ship, all right? I love the fact that there are no titles given to Paul, Silas, or Timothy in this letter. You, you recognize that? And it speaks to a level of intimacy that's probably been created within the life of this young church. And we're going to see it happen. We're actually going to watch this thing germinate this morning. But Paul, Silas, and, and, and it speaks to being familiar with one another. Now listen, there's one thing that I realize right off the bat. If you come up to me and you call me Reverend 
If you come up to me, even if you call me pastor, what I prefer you call me when you come up to me is Trent. And I can always recognize the people who are really comfortable with me and they find themselves uh, in, a, in a level of intimacy in a relationship with me because they don't call me by any given title. They just call me Trent. Billy Stennett is never going to call me Reverend Evans. If he does, I'm going to ask him, what did you do with the real Billy Stennett? He's never going to call me Pastor Evans or Pastor Trent. He's going to call me Trent. And it speaks to a level of intimacy here. Now, he writes this letter in 1 Thessalonians. He writes this letter, and it's actually, when it takes place, it's identified in chapter 18 of the book of Acts. This is the oldest letter in the New Testament. How many of you all knew that? The oldest letter in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, it was, it was written around 50, 51 A.D., some 20 years after the, the uh, resurrection of Jesus. And to give you a sense of, of time, uh, 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 of, of understanding time in, in relation, how many of you were alive and remember September the 11th, 2001? Right? We all remember that, right? The horrific experience. More time has, tra- has passed since that event than had passed between the time Paul writes this letter and Jesus was resurrected. You understand the validity and the credibility of the writings of Paul. There were hundreds, if not thousands, who could have given some level of eyewitness account to the life of Jesus. Not necessarily the resurrection, but to the life of Jesus. We know there were hundreds who saw Jesus resurrected. So the... the, 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 the The message that Paul is delivering to the church in uh, Thessalonica isn't one being challenged by the authenticity of the message of Jesus. This thing was pretty much a solid, sure bet amongst the people. Right? Are you tracking with me? And so, so Paul writes this, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, and this is one of those biblical principles that you and I need to kind of grasp and grab a hold of. He says this, and I love this opening. He says, grace and peace to you. Right? And you'll see that when you read the letters of Paul, you'll see that being addressed to, to a lot, you know, the epistles and to the churches. Grace and peace to you. And there's a biblical principle right there in your life and in my life that's working itself out, Danny Nichols, and it's this. Grace proceeds peace. Right? Right? We can, we can grasp that, right? You and I trying to experience peace in our life without the grace of God through Christ Jesus being applied is almost just 100% a losing battle. But when the grace of Jesus is applied to our lives, then peace is something to be ascertained, grasped, and brought in and experienced, right? You with me? Okay. That's how he opens this letter to the uh, church in Thessalonica. Now, how did this church even begin? Well, I'm going to tell you. If you didn't think I wasn't, shocker. I'm going to tell you this morning. And it begins this whole experience with these churches being born out of the know, 
begins in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And this is what the scripture says. Now I want you to get the no that births these churches. Paul and his companions, 16.6, traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept, listen to this, this is one of those things that it's hard to grasp, but you must concede to the timing of God. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, you want to talk about what appears, or at least a, 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 we, we, we sense, seems to be a contradiction, or at least an oxymoron, that the Spirit of God would what? Would not allow, would prevent, right? Would keep them from sharing the gospel, for that's the very purpose of their calling in the province of Asia? That's what the Scripture says, Right? So there's times in our life, let me say this to you, that when God will say this, this overwhelming no to us and we have to trust his heart, his purpose, and his plan in our lives that's accompanying the no. It isn't that he's trying to wound us, destroy us, derail us, become detached from us. He is working something sweeter something more pure and more effective in the know. Let's, let's look at this. And, and I can ask you some rhetorical questions, and they are rhetorical, so, so please don't shout them out. Your response is back to me. But let me just ask you this, all right? When God says no to you, how do you handle that? How do you handle the no? Danny Nichols over smiling like a Cheshire cat. How do you handle the no? We're going to have to learn how to handle the no. We're going to have to handle the no in trust, in confidence, and in resolve. Because you know what happens when we don't handle the no like that? I'm going to show you what happens. And the Apostle Paul, being a man of the Spirit, was also a human. And the Apostle Paul does some things right here that you look at and you're like, hey man, maybe I'm more like you than I thought, right? Because this is what the scripture says. Let's check this out. Let's check this out. It's, it says, they tried to enter Bithynia, right? That's what the scripture says. That, that's exactly what the scripture says. It says, once he was told no, the Apostle Paul, once the, that, the ceasing hand of God was applied, then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, they tried to enter, enter the province, listen, the province of Asia through a back door so they could deliver the gospel into this area, which would be basically what we would consider to be modern-day Turkey. And what does the Scripture say right there? It says, when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to do that. Right? Do you see that? Paul's not much different than we are because it's very difficult to navigate a no. And all of a sudden what we're thinking, because it's so natural to our spirit that surely God's working like this. This is the way God always does it. So if there's a no or there's some resistance or a barrier, man, we try to dig under, go over, go around, push through. 
How many of you have exhausted yourself in trying to do that only to find the wall taller, deeper, and wider, and thicker than you had anticipated, and you get in the midst of the digging, the pushing through, the climbing over, and you're exhausted. And you find yourself slithering back down, pushing uh, out from or back around, exhausted, and you're like, so it's a no. So it's a no. And so the Apostle Paul, in a very similar way, now understand his heart is wanting to honor God. In a very similar way, he's trying to backdoor into, into Asia. And the scripture says, right here it says, when they tried to enter Bithynia, the word tried is perezo in the Greek, and it literally means perforate or to test the authenticity or the structure of something. Meaning, what Paul was doing, Paul was literally, in that moment, when it says he tried, he was testing the no of God. He just wanted to make sure, is this a no? You know what perforated is, right? How many of you have uh, ever done any work with electrical panels? Knockout holes. How many of you know what a knockout hole is? Every man with burnt fingers says, I do. All right? A knockout hole, you'll have a piece of metal that's somewhat perforated and, and, and you can take a hammer or whatever and you can hit that knockout and it'll pop right out, right? Because the integrity of the knockout has been compromised by the perforation of the hole. What Paul was doing when it says and he tried to go through Bithynia, what he was trying to, he was testing that. Is this really God saying no? Right? And what does the scripture say? The scripture doesn't say that all of a sudden God smote Paul. The scripture doesn't say. What the scripture says, and it's very beautiful, it says this. But the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go, right? So they passed by Lycaon and went down to Troas, right? Are y'all with me? All right, listen to this. Because, because Paul's heart is turned to want the thing that God wants, God continues to put up the resistance, even though the effort of Paul is to get to a given place. His desire to honor God is even greater than that. And we know this because God continues to put the no up. Right? Right? When he tests it, God, the Spirit of Jesus, still says no. Right? Now listen, listen to this. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. Now this is how you know that God understands the heart of Paul. When God has said no, then God says yes. He shuts them off from the no, and this is what the scripture says. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. God makes it abundantly clear in this vision to Paul that their destination isn't into Asia Minor. It isn't into the deeper into Turkey preaching the gospel, but God is calling him to Macedonia. And he uses this vision. So God's not holding out on us. God wasn't holding out on Paul. Paul was testing, trying to prove, right? And then God responds with this vision. And I say to you, if you're discouraged because the no's are coming, 
Allow the resistance of God and the closing of the doors by God to put you in a position where you can rest. Guess when Paul saw the vision? In his sleep. Right? At night in a resting posture. Allow the know of God to posture you into a resting place that you might hear with clarity the direction of God. Right? You, you tracking with me? Okay, we got to get to Thessalonica. Man, we got to get to Thessalonica. Psalms 37, verse 23 and 24 says this, and this is the Apostle Paul. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. He makes firm, right? Sometimes firm is in the yes. Sometimes firm is in the no. If I'm going into a place where God doesn't want me, the no stops me and places me on a firm step. If it is a yes place, then understand that step is then firm. God is leading me. This is what the scripture says. Take solace in this. Though he may stumble, or though she may stumble, or though you may stumble, he will not fall for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Right? Right? The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, though you may test, though you may make perforations on the resistance to try it, though all of that happen, the scripture says, he will not fall for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And then the scripture says this after the dream. Now, you want to talk about some deep discernment. Some deep discernment. They wake up the next morning, right? You can, you can almost see this happening, right? After Paul had seen the vision, right? After Paul had seen this vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Why? Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It wasn't about him preaching the gospel. It was about him preaching the gospel in the place God wanted him to preach the gospel in. Do you get that? The mission had always been preaching the gospel. When he eventually makes his way back into those areas where the churches are founded, in these Gentile areas, guess who has helped found some churches in those areas? The Apostle Peter. Do you remember the issue that Peter had with the Gentiles? You remember when Paul had to correct Cephas and tell Cephas to stand down because Cephas had some biasness against Gentiles and favoritism towards Jews? God was working plans, man, not a plan. He was working plans. He was preventing Paul from going because he was wanting to do a work in Peter's heart, Peter's life. And Peter would be playing out in these regions as well. Understand that the big plan, the big picture, isn't just about you. That God's working things, man, at every corner, right? On every front. And so let's look at the scripture. They concluded that it's the, the will of God. So they arrive in a place called Philippi, right? Now there's this lady named Lydia at this place of prayer down by the river, right? That's what the scripture says. I feel like I'm making a Chris Farley reference in a van down by the river, right? But there's this lady named Lydia, and she's a very uh, uh, influential individual. Paul encounters her. He preaches the gospel to this lady named Lydia down by the river. She gets saved. Her household comes to the faith. Paul continues to move into Philippi. This is all from a no. He encounters a soothsaying young girl 
who was a future teller who had been empowered or influenced through a demonic spirit. After being harassed by this young girl who was calling out and identifying Paul, Silas, and Timothy as being stewards or servants of the Most High God, Paul literally rebukes her, casts out the demon, sets her free. All sounding good. They concluded this was the will of God. Well, guess what happens after that in the midst of honoring the will of God? They end up being beaten, flogged, and imprisoned. And I guarantee you, had you asked Paul why he said in that Philippian jail, he'd have said, I still conclude this is the will of God. God still wanted me here, even if it cost me some skin in the game. So what does, what does Paul and Silas do? They, they have a, a legitimate worship service, right? God responds. The shackles and chains are dropped from them. The jailer who is overseeing them ultimately comes to faith in Jesus, right? And his entire family. So here we go. Out of a no, a church is born from a woman in a van down by the river a demon-possessed soothsayer, and a jailer who probably isn't going to get reelected. And from those three people, the Philippian church, that was the, that was the, 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 the ingredients that God used amongst others. But these are three prominent people that we know were influenced by the gospel. In Philippi, why? Because God said no to Asia. When God says no to you, it isn't just to make your life better. It might be just to give somebody life. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? Man, sometimes you'll get tired, you'll get wore out, and you think, man, what am I, what's going on here? And there's somebody out there down by the river. There's some kid under the influence of things they ought not be and some jailer who's just doing his best to provide for his family and to honor his job and his boss and all those. And God has said no for your dreams and your aspirations and your desires and your plans because he's got this big fat yes because he loves those people so much and he's entrusted you with the care of those souls. Right? Now remember, this church in Philippi is the church that Paul writes Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 to that half of us have tattooed on our back. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Lady down by the river, demon possessed girl, jailer, he wrote that to them. A verse we quote at the drop of a hat, we cling to was born and written to a church after God had told Paul, no. God, let me, let me gravitate 
Let, let me cling to and value the nose in my life. May I find shelter and may you find shelter in God's no and find purpose in his yes. And all of a sudden, all this stuff is happening and Paul and them have to leave because there's a lot of persecution happening in Philippi. So they're headed out of town. Guess where they go? In Acts chapter 17, they show up in this place called Thessalonica. Yes, listen to this. Scripture says, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, <laughs> you can see this, right? Because that's the same thing he does. In every community Paul goes into, wherever, I think the number is 14. If there's 14, I could be wrong, but I think this is the correct number. To the best of my recollection, I believe if there are 14 Jewish males in a community, then a synagogue is to be established. So we know at least that amount of men of the Jewish faith resided in Thessalonica. So Paul goes down there, right? He goes down there, as was his custom. He goes into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scripture. Right? That's what it says. Three Sabbath days. Three weeks. He's in Thessalonica. At least three weeks. And maybe no more. All right? You with you? And it says this, listen. It says, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Dialego of me means he exchanged thoughts with them. This cat was open-minded. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't compromising on the truth of the gospel, but he was open to hearing what they had to say. Why? So he could refute it because they're Jewish from the scriptures. So he's, he's listening. Some of us need to listen when we're engaging people. Especially people who have a strange bend to the doctrines of, of, uh, 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 of the faith. We need to hear them out so we can correctly teach them from the scriptures. And the scripture says that he reasoned with them, exchanged thoughts, explaining, meaning to fully open. This is beautiful. Here he comes into this place in Thessalonica. He walks in there for three weeks. He's, he's exchanging thoughts with them. And then the scripture says, and he's explaining or fully opening the scriptures. And then the scripture says, not only was he explaining, but he was proving. You know what proving means in the Greek? That word right there, it means to set forth or to demonstrate. Paul wasn't just doing a lot of listening and a lot of talking. Paul was doing a whole lot of this. A whole lot of that with his feet. He was demonstrating what he was saying to be the truth. He had dialogue and fully opened the word and demonstrated what he was saying to them to be true. Scripture says, some of the Jews, oh, hold on, let me go back, let me read this. He says, as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded hmm, and joined Paul and Silas 
as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Now what does that imply when it says some of the Jews were persuaded? It implies this, some of them wasn't. In the no, in the rerouting, and you find yourself now in the yes program or the yes plan, don't become discouraged because everyone doesn't fall and cater to your work or your, your message. A yes from God doesn't promise conversions left and right. What it does promise is opportunities to respond to the gospel left and right. And the scripture says that some of them were persuaded. Some were not. Then the scripture says this, but other Jews were jealous. Okay, here's the, some were not persuaded. And we understand why, right? Some of them were jealous. Jealous. The word jealousy, I talked to a gentleman here one day and I was talking to him about it. The word jealousy is where we get the word percolate. Percolate, to boil over. You know when you, you, you're getting your coffee ready? And it's, it's you know, Am I the only one? Okay, never mind. She's tracking. Percolate. Jealousy. They were boiling over, man. Said, but other Jews were jealous, percolate. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. These were people who were percolating and the scripture later says when they get to Berea that the, the believers in Berea or the Jews in Berea were much more noble than those that were in Thessalonica. So these were uh, who had or much had more noble character. So we, we recognize in the jealousy that there's a character deficiency with some of these Jews. They abandoned the truth born out of their own jealousy against Paul, right? There was a character deficiency. And you know what happens with character deficiencies? Same thing that happened right here in this scripture. Character deficiencies will have you surrounding yourself. Bad character will have you surrounding yourself with bad characters. Yes. So they round up these bad characters born out of their bad character. Because you know what they're doing? They're going to have these guys do what they wouldn't do because they're too good. I would call that worse character. Right? Right? They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, this is all happening in Thessalonica. This church is three weeks old. They're babies in the faith. But when they did not find them, that being Paul and Silas, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouted. Now these are people who had just come to faith and now they're being drugged out of their homes. Infants in the faith. How do we walk with God for years? never grow in a resolve in a spiritual constitution to allow us to stand up to some resistance in our life? How do we say we're part of the way and we just crumble under pressure? 
Our spiritual backbones are so brittle that when the weight comes, man, and there's some resistance in our life from opposition and, and whatever corner, all of a sudden, in the midst of that, man, we just crumble. And these cats, three weeks in, are drug out of their own house. And these were the allegations. These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. Some translations will render that these men who have turned the world upside down. Right? You've read that. That's in your, maybe, maybe in your translation. You mean right side up. It says... And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there's another king, one they call Jesus. Now, listen, I know the guy's only three weeks into the faith, right? He's only three weeks in, and then this, this, this allegation, and it's 100% true. They're talking about another king, this one called Jesus. You can imagine that spark. That's right. That's right. Notice he doesn't deny it. The scripture doesn't say anything about him denying it. Listen to this. They are defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. And then Jason denied it. No, he didn't. That's not what the scripture says. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. You know what they made them do? A little bit of persecution here. Oh, you want, you want to talk about this Jesus being a new king? It's going to cost you. Pay up. Pay up. You're going, you're going to sit in this jail. You're going to pay up for this Jesus. And they posted bond. And the scripture says, and they were released. And they let them go. Now listen at the, the maturity of these cats three weeks old. In the faith, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Now, can you imagine Jason? Man, his cat was just incarcerated. He'd just been put in jail. He could have come back to Paul and Silas and said, man, look what you got us into. We done had to pay bond. Man, I ain't got enough for my Verizon bill. My Comcast going to be shut off. My Wi-Fi. Netflix, Prime. No, that's not what they said. They came back, having paid themselves, and they came back and they looked at Paul and Silas, the presenters of the gospel, and they said, you guys need to get out of here. You know why it's born out of love. We, we want to protect you. They're coming. You need to go. What a beautiful, you think Paul and Silas in that moment didn't recognize something deep in these young believers? Do you think it was easy for them just to, just to get up and leave after just a few weeks? As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, and on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. <laughs> hey, second verse, same as the first. Right? Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. 
For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Mm. As a result, many of them believed. <laughs> Can you see us, Jay? Paul laying this out there for them. And they begin to examine the scripture. Chase, they were looking it over, man. And they concluded <laughs> what Paul was saying was true. It's accurate. And as a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Now they're in Berea, but guess what happens in Berea? I want to tell you what happens in Berea. Those low character, jealous, percolating Jews who rejected the gospel when other Jews were accepting it, they come looking for Paul in Berea. That's what the scripture says. They come looking for Paul in Berea. Acts 17 verse 13 says this, and we're, we're about to close. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowd and stirring them up. You know what they were probably doing? Gathering some bad characters. Doing the same thing. Now here's the, here's the question. If the Jewish resistance to the gospel, was pursuing Paul and sending out whoever and however many it was to stop him in Berea, what must the persecution have looked like back in Thessalonica that they could spare persecutors to send out? What ends up happening in this process is, in this traveling process, and we're close with this, is that Paul, Silas, and Timothy are separated. Paul ends up leaving Berea, right? He ends up going into Athens, and after Athens, he ends up going into Corinth. In Corinth, in chapter 18, check it out, the scripture says this, that Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia to Paul. Do you know what he arrived with? A report. A report from the Thessalonican church. They had come from Macedonia and they had reported the conditions of the church in Thessalonica. This is the reason when he opens the letter in the very first verses, he wants them to know that the report has made it to him. The reason he says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. You know what he's saying? I got the word. Your message has reached me. God is working on your behalf. Do you know what Paul says to them when he writes the letter back to that church? You know what he says in verse 2? This is what he says. Listen to this. This is a man who has been chased out of town. A young church born under extreme opposition. And he writes back to this church 
In Thessalonica, in chapter 1, verse 2, he says this, we, speaking of himself, speaking of Silas, and speaking of Timothy, says this, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. a lifeline, man, to a young church that's under the weight of persecution. We got the call. The prayers are going up. We always remember you. We always pray for you. And all that, a relationship like that, an intimacy like that where you can say to people that not only am I always praying for you, but you're always on the heart in mind. I am fixed upon your condition. And though I'm removed by miles and time, perforated, holes punched through by distance, I'm still connected. And I'm still for you. And God is still working. What a beautiful thing built out of a no. And I believe if you were to ask the Apostle Paul, Silas, and Timothy, do you wish you to went on up into Turkey? They'd have said, no, 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 no. We've got the Philippian church out of the no. The woman down by the Right? We got the Thessalonian church out of a no. And they are dear to me. The Berean church out of a no. I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. And so, what I would want to say to you this morning in the face of of no's in the face of adversity, in the face of door shutting? Trust God. Trust God. There's a purpose. There are relationships to be established, to be built. There's work, kingdom work to be done. Frankie is to be done. We've got to rest in that. Because if we're willing to rest in it, in the no. We too will see what God wants us to do. And we too will then shift in the direction of the yes mission. And we too will come out on the other side, maybe having lost a little in the process, but gained a lot (laughs) in the process as well. Amen? Amen. Okay. That's verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Next week, Verse 2. But my prayer for you is, is strengthen the season of the no. Because I've been there. I've been in the no. I've probably been in the no more than the yes. 
Stand with me this morning. We'll be dismissed. Oh, God. With our heads bowed just for a moment, please. Mm. Father, for my brothers and sisters who are gathered here, and for me, uh, I'm, I'm in this. Lord, if we're in a season of no, we've tried this, we've tried that, we've gone here, we've gone there. We have found your resistance there. Your spirit saying no. May we find that place where we can rest in that out of confidence in you and trust in you that we can rest in that and wait for you to order our, our steps. Oh God, I'd rather take a few ordered steps than many rebellious steps. But Lord, as we wait in the know, and the direction is given, may we be fleet of foot. May we have an appetite to respond, even if redirection is a necessity. So I bless my brothers and sisters. I pray for them as I pray for myself this very thing. Surprise us, Lord. Surprises. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Dismiss us from this gathering, but never from your presence. And the sons and daughters of God said, Amen. 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 God bless you.